to get into our study and our message for tonight. If you were tuned in last Sunday, you would know that I was talking about unbreakable blessings. And guess what this is called? Unbreakable blessings part two. The whole point that I really would love to get into people's minds is this. That when God decides to bless you, nothing can curse you. And I don't care how powerful that other thing is, it cannot bless what God, or cannot curse what God has blessed. We were looking at some of the scriptures, we were looking at some Old Testament scriptures, we were looking at Numbers chapter 23, the story of Balaam and Balak, we were looking at the story of, in Deuteronomy as well, but we're going to look just for one second at one point I made. We were looking at calling down a curse. Here is what Balaam said when he was called to curse the children of Israel. How can I curse those God, whom God has not cursed? And I ask you, and I come to you simply and say, there is no witch doctor, neither a white witch nor a blue witch. There is no pisho. There is no one who can spit blood or sacrifice against you. You are covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. We are told in the scriptures, we are told in the scriptures, we're never told, I should say, to be afraid of the devil. Would you believe that? We're never told to be afraid of the devil. Let me finish off this point here. This is what... Uh, Balaam said, he said, I have received a command to bless, he has blessed it, and I cannot change it. He was getting a lot of money to curse the people of God, but he couldn't do it because God had blessed them. We are always told in the New Testament that we should be alert, we should be aware of our enemy, the devil. We should be aware not to give him a foothold in our lives through our anger, or through our actions, or through our attitudes, but we're never told to be afraid of him. Why is that? Because there's something going on in us that is much bigger than is going on in him. Here's what John wrote to the early Christians. He said, but you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Hallelujah. He's greater, the one who lives in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And that should get us off our tiptoes and get the fear out of our system because whatever it is, whether it is black magic, voodoo, horoscope, demons, devils, whatever it is, the power that they have over you is the fear that you apply to them. We have nothing to fear if we are standing in right place with Jesus Christ tonight and for all of our days. We cannot be cursed because God has blessed us, but we can curse ourselves by our actions and our attitudes and our anger or whatever you do. Here is what, what I was calling the big deal on, on Sunday. This is from Deuteronomy. Here it says in Deuteronomy chapter 28, but the Lord says to them, this is what I'm going to do. If you obey me, I will bless you. If you disobey me, you're going to be cursed and the choice is yours. I'm going to give you the choice. And here we go again in Deuteronomy. This is in Deuteronomy chapter 30. So he says, Moses says at the end, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. No, choose life. Amen. Choose life. Don't curse your life by your own actions, by turning your back on God or turning your back on God's best way to live. Choose life. The choice is in your hand. You have the autonomy. You have the agency. You have the authority to bless or curse 
your own life. And that is for every single individual. Every day in those little choices that we make, they really are important because the outcome of our lives will be mounted up by all those little choices that made. And if we come to the end of our days and our days are cursed, we may be able to find that it's there as part of the choices and decisions that we made every day. We looked also at intergenerational curses which, by the way, there are no intergenerational curses. When you stand in Christ, that is over. You were adopted in a new family. We'll look at it in a second. But most importantly, here is what Paul writes to the Galatians. I quote on Sunday, Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law when he was hung on the cross because he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. We're set free because he became a prisoner. He paid the price for us. That was kind of what we were looking at. We were looking at in the Old Testament, the promises were there that when they went into the land, when they went into the, into the land of Canaan, that God would bless them with crops and cattle and their children would be blessed. We looked at the blessings, it was incredible. But when we get into the New Testament, something happens. Because when we look at all of those promises for blessing in the Old Testament, they are what theologians call shadows. They're just shadows of the real thing. Because the real thing is in Jesus Christ. The real thing, as it were, is in the New Testament. You see, in the Old Testament, we see these hints and whispers. They call them types and shadows. They're types, they're shape. They, they kind of remind us of something, and they are insubstantial because they were dealing with a specific group of people in a specific time at a specific place. But when you get into the New Testament, something changes. Everything suddenly expands. So if you will, in the Old Testament, it was for a specific time and a specific space in a specific place and for a specific people. But when we get to the New Testament, we see it all opening wide open. Everything expands. It expands in time from here right to eternity. It expands in space in that it no longer is about one little strip of land, and so many people are obsessed with that strip of land even to this day. Um, it's no longer about a strip of land because Jesus said the meek will inherit the whole earth. It expands to the whole earth. It is no longer just for one people, the Israelites, but it is for all whom God has called. All of those who have faith in Jesus Christ. Suddenly, it expands to every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people group has an opportunity to experience the blessings of God. But I want to just take, if, just for a second, we need to take what's called, what I'm calling, the long view. Now, when you, just, don't you know, just stick with me on this one. We need to take the long view. You know, in so much of what we think about in terms of blessings, especially when we read the Old Testament, those blessings normally speak only of this life. Your cattle, your sheep, your children will be blessed, your crops will be blessed, you'll be blessed when you go to battle, you win, and so on and so forth. They're all very, if you were, temporary or temporal. But when we get into the New Testament, we have to take the long view. Here's what Paul wrote to the Corinthians in Corinthians 5.19. He said, if our hope in Christ is for this life, we are more, only for this life, we are to be more pitied than anyone in the world. If our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are to be more pitied than anyone in the world. There's something going on when we hit the New Testament that goes beyond this physical, short life of ours. We are taking the long view. We're taking a look from here, literally, into eternity. 
We're looking at the everlasting life that John 3.16 tells us that we inherit when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. In actual fact, in the context of your overall life in Christ, your overall life of faith as an everlasting life, your physical life is just a click of fingers. It is such a short period of time of your overall actual life and yet it is the living breathing experience life that we go through and so it can be hard sometimes to get our head up from our living sensory experience life to think what is actually ahead of us do you know that everyone out there everyone listening to this message tonight and everyone you've ever met here's what a certain favorite writer of mine i suppose you've already been calling a spiritual mentor at this stage says he said there are no ordinary people you have never talked to a mere mortal. Everyone is immortal. Everyone is going to have immortal. They're going to live forever in a state of grief and incredible joy, like those who are in Christ and who are trusting in him are in a state of dreadful anguish. The people who've turned their backs on God and who have in all of eternity to regret the decisions and choices that they make you have met no he said he says this he said it's with immortals that you eat and drink it's immortals that you insult it's immortals that you love and embrace every day they are all immortal no i don't want to be dropping too heavy one on you but i love what he says in the weight of glory he says when all the suns and nebulae have passed away each one of you will still be alive mm -hmm. when all the suns in all of the universe have passed away remember jesus said heaven and earth will pass away but my word will never pass away mm. the same is true for you when they've all gone when all the stars have gone out you will still be alive and it is your choice what that life will look like will it be an eternity in heaven or will it be an eternity in hell because we are making those choices and we're making those decisions in our lives. What will it be for you? Where will you spend this immortal time of yours? And I want us to get that into our heads because, you know, sometimes I think even of scriptures that, I mean, I quote it all the time, I quote to my kids at the time, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. And so often our emphasis there is on the all these things. But that wasn't Jesus' emphasis. Jesus' emphasis was seek first the kingdom of God. Put that right first and everything else falls into place. Put the first things first and everything else falls into place. As one writer said, you know, if you put the kingdom first, you get earth thrown in if you put heaven first. And so it's because of that I want to look and just very briefly at some more unbreakable blessings tonight. And where I'm going to look tonight, I'm going to look at a passage from Ephesians chapter 1. And when I look at Ephesians chapter 1, before you met and go, well, what difference is this going to make tonight? What I want to say to you, this is very important. Tonight is about the why, maybe more so than the what. Not the what we actually do in our worked out lives, but why it is that we do it. This passage of scripture I'm about to read absolutely gave me joy when I became a Christian. And I'll explain why in a second. We're looking at Ephesians chapter 1. Here's what Paul writes. He says, all praise to, to, God, uh, to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. 
And you go, ah, come here, that's like spiritual blessings, like. Come here, what about like real blessings, like the blessings that make every day different? No, these are the substantial blessings that you take not only through this life, but into eternity. Remember, these spiritual blessings are not in a specific place or in a specific land. They are in the heavenly realms. He says he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He has poured his love and his grace and his salvation upon us. Not only that, but we want to take the long view again. Here's what it says. It says, even before he made the world that long ago, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us, chose you and chose you even before he made the world. He made that decision to choose you so that you would be blameless before him. He goes on. He says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. We're no longer strangers to him. We're no longer distant to him. We're no part of his family. He adopted us into his own family by bringing us to himself. Guess what? How? Through Jesus Christ. Through what Jesus has done, he's brought us to himself. And this is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. So what he's basically saying is that long before you were a twinkle in anybody's eye anywhere, God already had a plan to call you, to name you as his own, and to bless your life with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. So he's already made a decision that this physical life will be lived out, but long after this physical life is gone, long after this vapor of a life, remember that's what the scripture says in James, he says, what are we? We are a vapor that is here for a moment, and then we're gone, that is our physical lives. And so therefore, what comes after is really the key thing. And he says, here's, this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Why? Because he was drawing us to himself. That's why you were made. You were made to connect and commune and have fellowship and be with God forever. Hallelujah. And nothing ever in your life will satisfy you. Nothing will ever satisfy you. Nothing except being with God forever. It was what you were made for, brothers and sisters. It is what you were made for. He goes on to say this. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He goes on. He says, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave us our sins. He is so rich in kindness that he's purchased our freedom. I love this. He's purchased our freedom. In other words, he's saying we were slaves and he bought us back. Redeemed is the word that is used in some of the older English translations. He redeemed us. He bought us back. We were slaves. And he paid the price so we could go free. This is all going to make sense in just a few seconds, okay? So stick with me, track with me. One last piece from Ephesians chapter 1. So he says, he has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. He has showered his kindness on us. And I bet you there are plenty of people out there who can say, you know what, I've experienced the kindness of God showered into my life. He has poured his blessing into our lives, into your lives. Would anybody out there say amen? amen. He has poured the kindness 
into your life, when you look at your life, is there room for thanksgiving to say, this is the most incredible thing that has happened to me. Coming to know Jesus Christ is not only transforming my life, it's transforming my eternity. Now let me tell you something about my blood a little. When I became a Christian back in 1986, it's a long time ago. Are we in trouble on Instagram? We're getting there. We were a long time ago, 1986, I don't know how many years ago that is, that's too long, well, 30, that's 34 years ago. When I became a Christian, I became a Christian for one reason. And I'm going to tell you the truth of what that reason was. I wanted to go to heaven. I wanted to have my sins forgiven because I knew I was a sinner. I wanted to have my sins forgiven and I knew that I deserved not to be in heaven. I wanted my sins forgiven and I wanted to go to heaven. So when the good news was shared with me to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, I leapt. I rejoiced. I couldn't believe it. It truly was the best news that I had ever heard. And when I read this passage from Ephesians chapter 1 when I was a young Christian, my heart would leap when I read it. I remember reading it aloud. It was probably a Christian for a week. And I, said, I remember I was at a Bible study. You might remember uh, some, of the, some of the olders out there. Remember Jim Rice's? Yeah. Jim Rice's church above in, above in Dylan's class. I remember being at it. Probably a Christian for a week. And they were pretty all raised. And the writer was going, who does our man think he is? And I said, have you ever read this in this, in this meeting? There was probably 20, 25 people there. I said, have you ever read this? And I started reading Ephesians chapter 1. And I began at verse 3 and read through to verse 14. And they all kind of went... All right, she's lovely. The new young fella, he's lovely. But you know what? It made my heart leap. And I tell you, it made my heart leap. And every time I read it for the next while, it made my heart leap. But then something happened to me. I got familiar with it. I got kind of used to it. And then, just like the parable of the, the seed sower says, other things began to get in. Other things began to get into my life. And there was other hassles. And I needed to get a job. And I started going over to girl, and, you know. I married her and she ruined my life, thank the Lord. But, you know, other things began to happen. We had, you know, bought a home and got jobs and proper jobs and went off and we had kids. And life became very, very busy. And sometimes in all of that crowding out, we can become very, very short term in our worldview. And we can begin to see God's blessings in a very, very short way. We need to open our eyes again, brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. We need to open up our eyes again and see it all expand. See God's blessing being expanded from here to eternity is the story, as the title of that old book and movie went. It is literally from here to eternity. And it's because people, the early Christians, were able to do that. And by the way, for the record, in the history of time, we are the early Christians. In the history of the whole history of mankind, in the whole history of the world, we still are the early Christians. We're still almost in our infancy. Anyway, that's another story. But because of that, they were able to say some fairly crazy things. Now, the reason I'm saying all of this tonight is really simple. God has blessed your life. Whether you feel it, whether you smell it or touch it, that really doesn't matter. He has blessed your life. If you are in right standing with him tonight, if you have accepted that Jesus Christ has died for you, mm. set you free, add it to your life, Hallelujah. you will experience God's blessings in this life, yes, mm. but there is so much more to that. And those blessings, because they were paid for with the blood of Jesus Christ, are absolutely unbreakable. Hallelujah. They are heavenly. They
They are eternal. They are everlasting. Mm. They put you in right standing. You are no longer a slave. You are no longer an orphan. Praise you God. were brought into the family of God. Amen. And because the early Christians had this view and saw what the expansive nature of the good news about Jesus Christ was, and maybe I'm not doing a good job of explaining it, they were able to say some fairly crazy things like this. We can rejoice, he said, too, when we run into problems and trials. Paul, are you on drugs? He says in Romans chapter 5, we should rejoice when we experience problems and trials. Why did he say that? He said, because we know that this develops in us perseverance. And that perseverance is changing us. And that perseverance is transferred into hope. And that hope does not disappoint. So we're actually being changed for eternal life. In the process of rejoicing when we run into problems and trials. You see, to us, problems and trials are just problems and trials. To us, they're hassles, but to God, they are the instruments with which He changes our lives. Hallelujah. He changes our character and changes our souls. That's why they're able to say crazy things like this. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy, said James in James chapter 1, verse 2. James, you can rejoice if you want to when the trouble comes your way and consider it an opportunity for joy. But for me, it's just a hassle. Why does he go on to say that? Because he says, because it's about the testing of your character and the testing of your faith. Nothing is of any use unless it's tested. And he says, consider it an opportunity for great joy. What he's basically saying is that God is at work in you. Do you believe it? Yes. God is at work in you. You are God's workmanship, Paul wrote. Created in Christ Jesus to good to do good things, and you know the rest, which He prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians chapter two. That's why they were able to say some other fairly crazy things in the midst of all their trials and troubles and circumstances. Sometimes when you read Paul, especially if you read Second Corinthians, he can be having a bit of a moan. He can, sometimes he can come across a bit more. You don't mean business, but it's like he's always talking about the troubles that he's gone through, and he talks about we're pressed and we're pressed, but not crushed. We're persecuted. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. And then he says this. He says our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Mm. He. This is a guy now who was beaten up for being a Christian. He was attacked by animals. He was robbed. He went without clothes. He went without food. And when we say he went without clothes, he literally had like no clothes. Not, not like us when we open the cupboard and have a million things falling. Go, I have nothing to wear. He literally had nothing to wear. He went sleepless. He was shipwrecked on a number of different occasions. And then he says, our life and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And we pray like a baby when we get an upstart in our finger. Ah! And he says, here we go. They're light and they're momentary. Light and momentary. Brothers and sisters, whatever trial or trouble you're in, or situation you face, you might be over the moon tonight. But you may have neuralgia tomorrow. I don't know. You don't know what you're facing. Know this, however, that God is not abandoning you and that even in the midst of all of those troubles, God is at work and you have a hope that goes far beyond this life, that actually stretches so far beyond this life, our minds cannot take it in. Here's what he says. It's winning for us an eternal 
everlasting glory. And then he goes on to say this, one of, one of my favorite verses in the New Testament. He says, and so we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Everything you see with your eyes is temporary. Everything is temporary. This life, brothers and sisters, is temporary. And we want to experience the blessings that go beyond this life. Why am I saying, Michael, why are you getting so ahead of the border? Because I know this. So many people are chasing the temporary. So many people are chasing and they're busying themselves and they're stressing themselves out and they're exhausting themselves emotionally, physically, spiritually, pursuing what is temporary. God will bless your life. God will provide what you need. Jesus has promised it. In the Old Testament, David said, I've never seen the righteous begging for bread. You will have plenty. Would anybody out there say amen? Amen. You will have plenty. And so he's saying, so don't be looking at the today's small issues. Keep your eyes on the things that are eternal. How do we get distracted from following Jesus because we start looking at little things that aren't as important? That's how we get distracted from following Jesus. We get crowded in by the troubles and trials of this life or the distractions of this life. He says they're temporary. They're temporary. But he says, but what is unseen is eternal. And I want to encourage you tonight as I'm nearly there, nearly finished. And as you read your Bible, especially when you read your New Testament, see the way that it expands. How God's blessing expands. It doesn't contract. See, our vision contracts. We're like people with blinkers, but God is looking for us to expand our vision out beyond our own small temporary experience into God's eternal purpose at work in our lives, at work in the church, at work in his people. And fix our eyes, not on what is temporary. That pain is temporary, that joy is temporary, that trouble is temporary. The coronavirus is going to pass. Amen. It's all going to pass. It's temporary. Mm. So let's fix our eyes on what is unseen. Praise God. And so therefore I'm going to come for the last verse, as it were, to this one from Philippians chapter 2. And you might go, oh, he's very serious tonight. Michael's a very bad form. So this is what Paul writes and he says, So continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to do fulfill his good purpose. Now this verse is one of the strangest verses in the New Testament, because if you read the first part of it, it feels like it's all dependent upon us, like it's all about us. We have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That's part one. And then when you get past the comma, he says, for it's God who's working in you, giving you both the will or the desire to do what he wants you to do. And he's Praise also giving God. you the power to do it. Amen. So it's both you and him. It's mm. not 50-50. It's 100%. 100%. Yes. It's a total commitment. And he says, work it out with fear and trembling. Something awesome. Listen to me. Something awesome is happening in your life. Hallelujah. God is at work. work. You will be the same again if you let God do his work in you. Moreover, he's giving you the, the desire to, to do that work and he's also giving you the power to do it. I'm going to pray in a second and I'm going to pray a simple prayer. I want to pray a prayer of blessing as we close. But I want to pray first that we would lift our eyes up from our current circumstances, whether they be our joys or our trials, whether they be our rejoicings or our mournings. 
whether they be our troubles or our overcomings. I want us to lift our eyes up from those for a moment and see the panorama that God has put us in. This opportunity to see eternity with God in his presence forever. The unbreakable blessing of his salvation at work in your life. Mm. Spreading out into the generations. Spreading out into eternity. If you would, you can close your eyes where you are if you'd like to pray. I'm going to pray. Like I said, I'm not going to recap because I don't need to recap when I pray. But I'm going to try and keep it short. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. your word. Your word is unbreakable. You said heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And it is upon those words tonight, Lord, that we stand. Mm. When we hear that we should fix our eyes not on what is seen, what is temporary, the trial, the pain, the insult, Jesus. the injury, the trouble, or the joy, the rejoicing, whatever it is that we're in, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would have the wisdom not to fix our eyes on that as though it is permanent. Hallelujah. It isn't permanent. You have prepared us. You knew us in advance. You were preparing us for an eternity with you. We Hallelujah. Know that, Lord, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing because Hallelujah. of Christ Jesus. Let that lift our souls. Mm. And even if we look around and go, well, it doesn't look so great out here, I can tell you, it looks great in here. Hallelujah. We would see the long term in the people that we love in the decisions that we make, I pray, Lord, we would see the long-term Jesus. I pray we would take the long view of our lives, Lord, knowing that you are walking mm. us, Lord, knowing that you are giving us the desire and the power to do what pleases you. And if I might pray, and if I might say, Lord, continue your work. Praise because God. as Paul said, I'm confident of this, that he who, who began, began a good, good work, work in you Carry, carry it on to completion until the day, day of, of Jesus Christ. Christ. May that work be continued in your life and in May it pass down the generations from here into eternity. In Jesus' <clears throat> mighty name and God's people say... Amen and amen. Let me finish you with this last verse from Numbers chapter 6. We pray all the time. Tom is going to take over and then he's going to close our meeting. But I just want to offer this to you. One of the great prayers of the Old Testament... Is for, for the in the Old Testament. One of the most specific ones is from Moses when he says, Lord, I want to see your face. Brothers and sisters, every one of us, our only true joy, our only true satisfaction will be when we see the face of God. We see the face of God now in his favor and his blessing and his protection on our lives. But one day we will see face to face. So as I sign off, Numbers chapter 6. Brothers and sisters, may the Lord bless you and protect you. Mm. May the Lord smile on you Jesus. and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor mm. and give you his peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.